0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: They told me my card will go up tenfold.
1: <laughs> Blah. Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown.
2: It's the 2nd of March of the year of our Lord 2000. All Saints Pure Shores is top of the charts. Don't remember that one, sorry. A little-known film, though, Toy Story 2 is uh, inexplicably still number one in the charts in the box office for the third week in a row. Felix Trinidad has just sparked out David Reed to uh, get the WBA light Middleweight title. The PlayStation 2 has launched in Japan with ten thrilling launch titles. That's not true, I think only two of them are good. Pokemon Stadium is out for us non-PlayStation 2 owners uh, Ricky Butcher has just had the Sacrum EastEnders <laughs> What for? I just need to get rid of some uh, just, just get
1: rid some of some dead weight cleaning
2: That's right uh, And Augusto Pinochet has been indicted and arrested Something about human rights violations I don't know, It was a long time ago But more importantly, an extremely goofy movie is released to video. (laughs) And uh, we know that, apart from talking bollocks about wrestling from 20 years ago, we are big, big fans of the crappy Disney sequel. Oh,
1: absolutely. I love a crap Disney sequel.
2: But before we get into that, the voice you are listening to is Mafu. The other one at the end of the uh, string can system we have set up here, during the lockdown, is Mr. Tom Campbell. And we are going to very vicariously talk about what was happening in the wonderful world of SmackDown, March 2nd,
1: 2000. So how are you, Tom? I'm good, but you know Ricky Butcher? Not personally. Right, fair enough. But you know like he got let go from EastEnders. So would he have been, been a thing on the website that said... Ricky Butcher has been released. Sid Owen has been released from uh, his EastEnders contract. We wish him best of luck in his future endeavours. And could he have just turned up on Emmerdale the following week? As Butcher Ricky. <laughs> What's Butcher Ricky doing in the Woolpack, Maggle? <laughs> What's Ricky Rutcher doing in the Woolpack?
2: <laughs> Ow. You know who I am. And you know why I'm here.
1: <laughs> where is millionaire Dingle? <laughs> so, this is, so this is where the big boys drink. Look at the adjective. <laughs> drink. <laughs> 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 we are the new uh. world butchers. <laughs> We're here to take over. <Size> oh, could somebody please? Uh, I don't know whether this is in the parameters of John or not. I want the I want a new world order Titantron, but with clips of <laughs> Ricky Butcher.
2: <laughs> no, I want any any uh, EastEnders guy appearing on Emmerdale, but with the the Scott Hall uh, Canadian tuxedo look. With <laughs>
1: Oh, it's good times. But to answer your question, all is fine here. Still in lockdown. Uh, we're, we're, it's a, a slightly more relaxed lockdown, which is nice. Um, in, in a sense that we can go for more than one government-mandated walk per day. And on a nice day, like the day of recording, which is Bank Holiday Monday, that is welcome. Um, otherwise, it's 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 one of those where I'm rapidly running out of different things to do and I'm also now finding TV series that I haven't watched ever and trying to get into them. We watched Once Upon a Time on Netflix. It's something that Alex picked out. And I love it because it's a bit crap, but we're now at that <laughs> point where we're just digging through some of those. Um but yeah, it's yeah, I I about yourself? What have you been doing to to bide the time during lockdown? I've been doing more exercise. So But not the one I would
2: do when i go to the gym and do the circuits where I'd walk around with that lovely bit of endorphin and, you know, you hang around other gym people and you feel like you're doing something right because the instructor hasn't yelled at you. So instead I've been doing cardio and some cardio and then some more stretching and some more cardio. So I have lost some weight. I've lost some muscle as well, which wasn't quite the plan. Um, But yesterday I could feel my abs kicking. So that was interesting. I have long hair. I'm skinny and I've not gone out much. I'm basically college Matthew. <laughs> so aside is, there's some uh, fear factory <laughs> and in me yesterday.
1: We have all become college Matthew during lockdown.
2: Oh you you happy happy people. So <laughs>
1: well,
2: I need some sort of, some World War 1 poetry and <laughs> William Shakespeare's Othello and that's it. And I'm glad of all the things you decided to talk about That little news brief I gave you there that set the scene uh, you decided on, you know, Ricky Butcher As
1: opposed to Pinochet <laughs> Well I thought Ricky Butcher Has more more uh, news notoriety <laughs> <laughs> Pinochet me. shows up in, Pinochet shows up
2: in Chile In his helicopter, <laughs> you know who I am
1: <laughs> But you don't know Why I'm here I'm here copying a bit from Ricky oh, Butcher. No.
2: <laughs> it's Pinochet and Butcher. Oh, maybe <laughs> oh not. my God, what a team. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> so what do you think of an extremely goofy movie before we move on to wrestling? I don't know if I've seen an extremely goofy movie. Is it the one where Max enters the X Games? I've never seen it either. Oh. I only saw
2: uh, the first goofy movie. They're not extremely goofy movie. The slightly goofy
1: movie. The, 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 the relatively goofy movie.
2: Yeah, I only saw it a few years ago because people insisted that it was actually really good, <laughs> and I watched it and goes, "Oh, okay, I can see where you're coming from here."
1: I would like to send some love with on this particular subject uh, to the lovely people that host the Disney Chat podcast because uh, we talked about last week about bad disney movies based on a conversation that me and the good lady had about bad disney movies to the point where we then this got spilled over onto twitter and they have now the guys at disney chat which is a lovely podcast they now have an episode based on crap disney movies that is available now so i like to think we've inspired some content Uh, on the other side of the world. Sorry, it's Chat Disney rather than Disney Chat. I apologise. Mercedes and Tash, every Monday, uh, do a Disney-based podcast, and they did a whole episode about uh, the worst Disney sequels. So big love to you guys.
2: That's nice. I like to think it came from your utter disgust at me saying, ah, Toy Story 2 is not that good.
1: Yeah, I think you were very much a, 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 a major part of that. But it's all right because yeah. from it has come some good bants from Mercedes and Tash. That's fine.
2: I'm glad that I can help you. <laughs> but this is Toy Story 2. Again, people on Twitter going, What? Toy Story 2? <laughs>
1: what is your dilemma?
2: And then they're going, Well, you know, it's, it's not quite a runaway brain, but it's not an extremely <laughs> goofy movie either, Matthew.
1: Good song, that. Run away, brain, never come oh, back. <laughs> Run <away. laughs> Is that the one? What? What?
2: That's a one, yes. Well done. Something like that. I, I see you know your Disney well. Uh, so. A <laughs> man of taste, I see. <laughs> but outside of the rest of the planet in this time in history, what was happening according to Davey Meltzer?
1: Well, so uh, we're going to get into this week's episode of SmackDown from the year of our Lord 2000 in just a short while. Before we do, let us paint the canvas. ...of this particular week in the year 2000... ...with what is happening in the wrestling world. So, uh, with regards to Stone Cold Steve Austin... Uh, ...last time we saw him... ...we believe he was being held hostage by a deer. And uh, update on Steve's situation in the F. According to Dave, as it regards WrestleMania, they are hopeful of Austin being involved in the show. It depends if he is healthy enough to at least deliver a stunner. There's little chance of him doing a match, and they don't want to do a run-in unless he can at least do his move. Undertaker will probably be back on the show, although not in a wrestling capacity. We'll, we know how that pans out for both of those. Hmm uh also this week uh the i was more thinking about the deer than i was thinking about austin <laughs> then, sorry. uh there's a bit of an injury report to give you as well uh the plan is uh for billy gunn to miss three months of action uh he's being operated on by dr james andrews for the uh for the injury to his uh his shoulder that we talked about in the last podcast bob holly suffered torn rib cartilage taking a samoan drop uh, a few days before this week's episode uh and he's out of action for a little bit as well. Uh, When it comes to WCW, Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch officially got their release from ECW, and they're expected to be there very, very soon. Um, And there's two stories that come from WCW stars' websites. Back in the day. Back in my day! Before we had Twitter, people would write blogs on their websites. Buff Bagwell would write... Uh, that he's demanding to be paid what he's worth by WCW, so I'm presuming he's looking for a, a, a paid degrade for some reason. Are oh, um, you? <laughs> that's mean. Uh, he says if he's not paid what he's worth by WCW, he's asking for his release this week. Uh, not sure what the going rate these days is for a for a 1.97 quarter, but it sounds to me like he's asking for a pay cut. Not my words, the words of Davey Meltzer. Oof.
2: It's like Sean Williamson is Barry from EastEnders and Extras, isn't it?
3: (laughs) He told EastEnders,
2: I want a million pounds or nothing. And they said nothing
1: and they sacked him. And they pushed him off a cliff. Isn't that right, Barry? (laughs) And he fell into Coronation Street. You know who I am, (laughs) but you don't know why I'm here. Um, And his name was Barry from EastEnders. (laughs) From EastEnders was his surname. (laughs) He changed it legally, so it's fine. Um, the other one that has caught my eye this week is from Chris Benoit's website. Uh, Chris Benoit's been blogging again. I'd like to think that there were loads of uh, GeoCities gifts all around the website, just for my own amusement. Um, now, this all comes from Hulk Hogan appearing on Bubba the, Lo- Bubba the Love Sponges' show on the 24th of February. What a toxic relationship that was. Uh, he uh, claimed yeah. that... Uh, Hogan claimed that Benoit was a top talent in WCW. was a loss to the company. He also claimed that he always spoke up for Chris Benoit. Now, Chris Benoit has set the record straight on this on his website and wrote the following. In the last four years of my career, I have seen the fans get shafted innumerable times on potentially great matches due to an ugly word called ego. I can go on and on talking about different events and times. But what I really want to address here regards someone who stands out as an inspiration, a role model, and a leader in the dressing room. Hulk Hogan. (laughs) For dramatic effect, the mic falls down. That could have not been more dramatic. (laughs) Here is a guy that would show up and disappear into his locker room which had a do not enter sign posted outside of it concerning himself with only how many segments he had, what hours they were on and which segments were before and after his. He would walk around when he did step out of his confines with his with this cocky arrogance as if he were the king and we the paupers. From what I hear, not much has changed. Now, um, Benoit ends with a very powerful sentence, a very powerful question that considering the way things go in the world, it's a little bit uh, jarring, but I shall read it. Uh, Benoit ends his article by saying, my question is, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Just to go back a little bit, uh, your thoughts on Buff Bagwell? (laughs) I think he is someone that
2: gets too much slack for... What is what he was and what he did in WCW because he was very entertaining as buff on the stuff. When he joined the NWO, him just flexing and being a silly bugger behind Scott Steiner, very entertaining. It's just a shame that he was rather like X-Pac in the sense that he had a character that he did two years ago and then two years later, he's still doing the exact same character with no evolution whatsoever. So... On one hand, he gets too much criticism. On the other hand, blaming him for that one bloody match on Raw with Booker T for being the reason for the invasion not working or whatever is completely ridiculous.
1: It's been a it's been a funny week for WCW guys speaking out in different places. Obviously, Benoit, an ex-WCW guy speaking out. Bagwell on his website. And Shane Douglas rocking up oh, in XPW. Here
2: we go. Now, now we're going to put the... Put the podcast in a fifth gear. Go on, what
1: Shane said. <laughs> keep it down to an hour. Right. So Shane appeared unannounced at the XPW show in Hollywood, California, at the end of last month. So I think it was perhaps the day, <clears throat> the day before No Way Out. He did a 15-minute promo on WCW. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> uh, in particular, <clears throat> some of the potted highlights from this ramble included Bill Bush, Hulk Hogan, and Ric Flair. Uh, Douglas did um, a Sam Kinison routine where where (laughs) he (laughs) pretended to call Bush up on his cell phone, including yelling out Bush's phone number to the live crowd on the mic. Uh, Douglas wow. informed his triple threat. He reformed his triple threat group from ECW with Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch, despite the fact that they're on their way to WCW. Uh, Douglas asked how WCW could draw ratings with chunks of fossilized manure like Hogan and Flair. Um, Douglas is still under contract with WCW. Uh, Douglas is about to return to TV. <laughs> Let's, this isn't a disgruntled ex-employee. This is a disgruntled current employee. Wait, he was still in the contract well we, we've still got all the new blood millionaires clubs still to come in WCW and and Douglas is a massive part of that so he I mean you are
2: right but I thought that he let because the whole radicals thing fell through and they didn't want him and so he went alright I'll guess I'm leaving then, because I've already said I'm leaving. And they said, all right, fine, sort off. And then they rehired him anyway because of, I don't know,
1: Russo's influence or... So I'm, oh, well, in that case, I'm assuming then that he... Well, either way... like If I'm he... wrong, I'm wrong. It's, I think it's a funnier story, Tom, if we assume he's still employed <laughs> by them. And it wouldn't surprise me if he was uh, still within the company. Um, I'm just checking out uh, another source that states uh, that... Um, regarding his time in WCW uh he's on hiatus at the moment it doesn't now i mean it may be a case that he is gone but he's apparently just on hiatus right now from wcw um which is either way the fact that he's, he's back in a feature role in the company a month later after going to another company and just spending quarter of an hour shitting on them is is just so wcw it hurts
2: he did the George Constanza thing. He just showed up a month later and went, Didn't you quit? And he's, No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, I thought Shane quit. Oh, never mind then.
1: I'm still here. I don't just know what you're talking about. Uh, and this right. is a, a nice no, little don't note. Be silly. In- that was
2: a different Shane Douglas. <laughs>
1: that was my brother, Dane Shuglas. <laughs> there he is now. Uh, on a On a lighter note from that XPW show. Uh, it was on that night they held a King of the Deathmatch tournament uh, to crown a King of the Death Match champion, won by local wrestler Supreme, who sadly we lost a couple of weeks ago. But I wanted just to make a point to uh, honor Supreme, who on this show, which featured just a 15 minute verbal car wreck from Shane Douglas, uh, actually featured Supreme uh, standing out in front of like some ex-ECW alumni to become uh, a Death match champion in XPW. Absolutely, as a fan of the grimy hardcore wrestling around this time for East Coast and
2: West Coast, Supreme, is very much one of the better ones there. It had some amazing matches with Alter Boy Luke, um, Angel, the Messiah, Vic Rhymes, just to name a few. And yeah, to, the fact that the stuff he did twenty years ago with is still remembered to this day when he passed away, and we'll share the videos and gifts and everything like that it was a it was a nice thing to see. And and obviously, hardcore wrestling isn't everybody's thing, but tough. It's mine. Supreme's great. Kiss it.
1: How are you? Uh, and we do you... it. We'll
2: re- reenact this catchphrase
1: now. You, you go. Who am I? Supreme. Yeah. Oh, you know it, Tom. Yes. Ah, oh, that's great. Well, I remember seeing XPW at this point due, uh, th- via the pages of Power Slam.
3: Yes, because because
1: it was sort of being at least from the from the outlets that we had, XPW was being seen as like this replacement for ECW. Yes. And what were your thoughts on xpw
2: i can't wait for the vice mini series on the goings-on <laughs> in XPW. my god in heaven uh the fact that rob black tried to buy into ecw they said no thank you and then he's like right i'll start my own company because he was a porn guy the porn guys made a lot of money uh in the just before 2000s 2000, 2000s he spent a lot of money he paid and overpaid a lot of people. So a lot of people were happy. All the stories about New Jack trying to work with them. He said they didn't pay him one time. So he went, that's fine. So we just took a camera. So let's take this instead. This beautiful, you know, porn-ready camera. I went, like, right. this is mine now. Um, all the stories about Vampiro missing shows because he would come up with these crazy stories. Like I said, sorry I'm late, folks. The door of the plane I was on fell off during the flight. Uh, the Messiah attack got a bit grim to be honest with you that rob black was never charged with never could prove it was him but there's no other suspects and finally ending coming to a horrible end with something about let's. i'm not gonna get this exactly right but rob black decided it would be a very good thing to sell tapes of uh, animals getting eaten by snakes and by selling that and it crossing state lines that counts a felony and that was the end of xpw and extreme associates
1: Isn't it funny how these oh-so-dodgy people... No, the videos aren't funny, obviously, but (laughs) how these oh-so-dodgy people are caught out in such dull administrative ways. Like how uh, um, Al Capone, one of the most notorious gangsters in history, what was he arrested for? Or tax evasion. Like, he didn't file his paperwork. Like, Rob Black, who who we believe, not proved, uh, may have carried out a hit on a wrestler... And just generally did lots of underhanded things. What's what? And there's one of these videos of animals eating each other. What's he arrested for? Uh, well, transporting things over state line.
3: <laughs> right. It's
1: like it's the do you know what? If, if you're going to be if you're going to be a monumental, uh, if you're going to be a monumental asshole, at least get your admin right, because then you can continue <laughs> to be an asshole for as long as you want. Then they always fail on the admin. If Pachiti ever became like a full on sociopath, everyone will die. Because his admin is spot on. Just
2: the went. game? Oh, right, yeah, we'll pretend. <laughs> kayfabe, kayfabe. I can see you winking through the microphone.
3: <laughs> yes,
2: uh, Rob
1: Black made Herb Abrams look like a Quaker. So, <laughs> can't wait for that series. <laughs> um, uh, That's, uh, oh, on another note, on the night of No Way Out, I think it's a nice little nod as well, if we're honouring uh, champions no longer with us. Well, on the night of No Way Out, uh, there was wrestling at uh, Budokan Hall, and it was the night that Kenta Kabashi pinned Vader to win the Triple Crown title. Oh, nice. Nice little match. Uh, they have seen that match. 1949, it finished with a, with a Lariat out of nowhere from Kabashi. Uh, it was just, a, it was a, everybody is saying it was a quality match in front of 16,300 people. One that's worth seeking out if you're a wrestling fan.
2: Oh, good. I'm sure nothing happens to that company. That'll completely change the industry soon, so... I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: well, that was a hell of an intro, Tom. What say you start off on some good old Monday
1: Night Raw recap? Well, witty-woo, witty-woo, before, pre-witty-woo, witty-woo, witty-woo. Well, this is... Uh, we're looking back on... on um... Oh, I meant... I was going to do it. Sorry. Paul. Oh, I thought you were going to get me to do it. I was ready to, to jump in and do it. That was a royal wee. Uh, oh. No, how dare you? You've talked for too long. Thank you, mate. I have. Monday Night Raw,
2: Mick Foley's career is over. Punctuated by Jim Ross's solemn goodbye, my friend. It's a very sad moment, a very touching moment. Black and white, slow motion. Anyway, enough of that. <laughs> uh, Big Show versus The Rock ends with Shay McMahon making his return. And he explains he wants to align himself with the future WWF champion. And The Rock admits, yes, Big Show beat him at No Way Out. But unlike Big Show, Rock isn't going to whine and complain about it all the time. And Triple H is happy to hear this because, due to Rock losing, that means he has to go down to the very bottom and start again. So, Rock is pitted against the greatest of greats, the Brooklyn Brawler, Monday Night Raw. (laughs) Uh, The Rock somehow victorious over Steve Lombardi. And Stephanie then hears Rock's pleas for going, can I have someone a bit harder? He goes, sure. Look, Rock, I'll put you in a match. And if you can pick either one of these guys, you can go on a WrestleMania it's Rock taking on the Big Show and Triple H in a handicap match but it's the Rock and he has some of the finest plot armour known to man so he is able to get the advantage over both men but of course Shane O'Mac interrupts again for the beatdown which brings us to witty woo witty wah witty woo witty woo
1: why is he in take at the start <laughs> he's, just still, he's just still kicking back there isn't he? Incidentally Um, I don't know about you, but I really liked the Rock start from the bottom story. And because we're so close to WrestleMania, they couldn't really do anything with it. But had we been removed from WrestleMania, had they done this like the night after WrestleMania? Like, I love to have seen The Rock for like four months fighting his way through the mid card. (laughs) There's something about that that I wouldn't be deeply offended by.
2: You know what they should have done? They should have gone, well, since you picked them up so much. Tonight, Rock. Finally, the Rock goes one on one
1: with Headbanger Mosh. <laughs> yeah, and then it's a forty-five minute brawl. <laughs> Nineteen forty-nine.
2: Rock wins with the lariat out of nowhere.
1: But there's something in like there was like they were desperate to keep the Rock away from Triple H for so long up until WrestleMania. You could have done this a while back, and just had it so right, the rock, right Rock you're fighting from underneath, and you could have just had all these guys. Like these, a mixture of mid-card goodness or jabronis going. I'm gonna make my career by beating the Rock tonight, and you could have someone like a Gangrel going. Ah, I'm gonna beat the Rock tonight, and my I'm gonna be a made man once I beat the Rock. Gets in the ring, spits blood, dun dun dun, dun, Rock Bottom, one two three. Next week, (laughs) another one. (laughs) Like I like the idea of stuff like that. I think some matches could have been competitive, but building up from the ground up would have been fun. In my opinion,
2: yeah,
1: I like Gangrel calling in to Triple H. I've got to get the title
2: shot. White Wolf have told me they put their hit on the rock. Blair, <laughs> they told me my card will go up tenfold.
1: <laughs> Blair, Blair. Every, every, gangrel, every Gangrel promo ends with Blair.
2: I have to punctuate every
1: sentence with Blair, Blair. Blair. <laughs> God love
2: him Anyway We're somewhere in America We never get told where And we start with too cool And then the most expensive bit of plastic And WF shows up And fires a bazooka (laughs) Da 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 (laughs) da Bleh Apparently China is on the cover of Raw magazine Hey, remember when we have had two monthly magazines?
1: Oh, gosh. And do you remember where one of them was basically softcore porn for all your edging needs? <laughs> That's pretty much what we had
2: here. Jericho <laughs> is teaming up with them. Thank God, I thought it was be China and Too Cool. And he is, of course, sans IC title, having lost to Kirk Angel at No Way Out. And they're taking on three and a half of the Radicals. And we start off with Malenko versus Jericho. Ah. Good times. Good WCW, non-Buff Bagwell-flavoured times. Except now, of course, the reversal is that Jericho is massively over. Then Benoit and Scotty to Holly go at it. They still present as being at the same level this time, so Scotty is able to deck Benoit, and then Moon walks away. Benoit and Jericho go at it in one of their only matches. It's a shame they didn't have more on SmackDown. Uh, Jericho gets radicalised. Don't think that's going to take off, Tom. Uh, until he gets the mild tag to Sexay. Eh? And I think the WW lads, they're very good at having their WW work rate New Japan er matches, but they need to work on that whole formula of beat down a dude, and then he gets the hot tag because they don't, seem a bit unsure here. See to step off, and just like the first rehearsal though, the match all breaks down, and D'Amelago hits Saturn. Hardy hits the worm on Dino. Eddie tries to interrupt, but China pulls him off. Who were, and then China Jericho brawl with Dino to the back. sexA lands the hip hop drop. But Eddie distracts, so Benoit gets a flying headbutt for the win. Good God, there was a lot going on in those last two minutes.
1: It was a what busy, busy last few minutes of uh, of the match. I thought it was nice, nice six man tag to start the show this week. Uh, good action from everybody. I thought uh, it's it's just that two cool pop is still really good, still really strong. People like two cool, and uh, yeah, radicals look good in there as well. And I I wish we could have seen a bit more of Malenko mixing it up with some of the bigger lads, because I do feel like he is such a strong strong performer in that regard. Absolutely.
2: It's not going to come, though. What is going to come, though, is The Rock walking backstage. Midian says something to him, then gets punched over a table, and that's the segment.
1: (laughs) Midian's back on SmackDown for the briefest of time. I just think he flew out for that. <laughs> he got flown out He definitely out flew that. over the table. And then he flew over the table, straight back again.
2: <laughs> hey, The Rock, I'm really sorry about whole fake men. <clears throat> uh, I think The Rock's like Michael Jordan on the last dance here. I think Midian said something very sincere to him, like, Hey, Rock, you look really good on Monday. And then he cuts to The Rock years later, watching it on an iPad, going, I look good on Monday. What did he, what did he mean by that? <laughs> look good. <laughs> I knew then. It was personal between me and Midian.
1: <laughs> Good times. Have you seen any of the last dance? I've seen a bit of it, yeah. I, I like it. I'm not a big basketball fan, but I'm a, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. Particularly like the episode where he goes to space to fight the aliens. <laughs> now I've used the podcast on three... Uh, now I've used that gag on three podcasts. That gag will now fly off into space and... Uh, Play basketball with somebody.
2: Play basketball I knew it. <laughs> it's that little pause. It's that little pause, you go,
1: oh you. It's that little pause where my brain did may have the same sort of reaction as when you're walking through a field in Final Fantasy 7 and a fight starts. <laughs> you just have that little <laughs> moment of, oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. The screen
2: sorry. turns the glass and you hear that.
3: <sighs>
2: Not the good fight music, the awkward one.
1: <laughs> uh, also, I don't know whether you've ever. On the subject of wrestling and Final Fantasy, hats off to Ben oh, Potter. Go. It does the rounds every so often, but Ben Potter found a great clip of Dolph Ziggler, Big E, and AJ. Uh, yes. With the camera swooping around them, and added Final Fantasy 7 victory music, and then a then a post fight uh, experience stats bar afterwards. It's brilliant. If you can follow Ben Potter on Twitter, and you can see it, it's somewhere on his timeline. It's it's incredibly well done and well observed by Ben Potter. I th- that that was good,
2: and they were very uh, much compared to Final Fantasy VII when they were a brief team. My favorite Final Fantasy VII wrestling mashup is: Do you remember when the ECW on Sci-Fi title, when they had the big silver or maybe it was platinum? Depends how good your eyesight is. Title was introduced, and when they'd show what the, if it was a title match, they'd go like. Sh- like, do a European title, and like, it's so its own intro. The ECW on sci-fi one had a uh, a phoenix emerge from nowhere, and then, like, ECW title, I guess, a metaphor for the the brand itself coming back to life. Yeah, someone, like, had the summon menu out, <laughs> and, like, it's, like p- picks whatever the bird is in uh, Final Fantasy, it's, like select that, and then it appeared, and it was, oh, it was very well done. Oh,
1: seen. that's class. Like, yeah, like it was a summon. <laughs> yes. Uh, which summon would you like to go for dinner with? Don't don't you
2: dare forget the names of the summons, Matthew. Come on, your entire life has been building up to this. I'm going to
1: give you mine. I'm going to give you mine to buy you some time. Go ahead. Knights of the Round, because it'd be a right laugh. It'd be like a stag do. Oh, okay. Knights of the Round. That That's one. That's, yes. That's much. Worse. Uh, all of them? They all have names. I think they're just collectively called Knights of the Round. When you when that's you summon them. Old, it's it's, it's the hardest summon to get in Final Fantasy 7. You have to breed a gold chocobo and go to an island. Yeah. Very far away. I feel like yeah. I feel like do you know what, if if I I think if I lived on my own during isolation, it would be a bit crap, but I probably would have started playing Final Fantasy 7 the remake and lost several days to it by now. Or maybe a full week. I feel like that's where my life would have gone. Yeah. I like the table uh, glitch people keep on sending me. It's much
2: appreciated. Uh, I would probably go with um, Anima from Final Fantasy X and ask, What are you? <laughs> that would kill a few hours.
1: Surely Anima is, a, is an animal. But it's no,
2: like. No, no, no. Not, not a, a Road Warrior Anima. No, no, no.
1: It's like a weird. I've I've had to Google what Anima looks like, and it <laughs> it looks like it looks like a sad fish doing a David Bowie album cover. It's the best way I can describe it.
2: I was going to call that a horrible description, but now I've seen it, it's hard to argue. <laughs> yeah, I there feel you like go. It's da- something you. from an album cover. Yeah, that da- da- David Fish, and um, and even better the. <laughs> The full graphic of it shows the upside down bit, which you don't see until you do the super cool Aeon thing. Oh, yeah. And then it comes and brings it down. And you go, wait, what the hell is this?
1: There's two bits. There's two bits. Oh, and the one bit's all chained up. So I feel sad for the bit at the top. Yeah. The bit at the top looks like he's having a terrible day. The bit at the bottom. I feel sorry he's for it life. If it wasn't
2: so good in battles.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did it just wipe out everybody? Oh, I mean, look at it. Who's yeah. messing with that. I mean, it's true. It's true. But I have a feeling that that's the sort of one that you'd use on like the final boss, and it'd be this majestic animation effect, <laughs> whole world on fire, <laughs> and it would just say, "Miss." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bastard. sorry, sorry, uh, wrestling.
2: Yeah, you know, what? yeah, I can, I can hear, hear people go, "I don't care about that uh, anima, dark anima, or any other type of anima for that matter." Shut up. But you know who we they do care about. The Hardy Boys. Ah, It's good to see them, and I've heard on the interweb that they've been on a diet, and they've lost six stone in five days. (laughs) That's right, Terry Runnels is gone from the Hardys, citing reasons that she was more upset at the lack of care the Hardy showed her when she was in hospital than she was at the Dudleys for putting her through the table in the first place. Mm. So the Hardys will have to pick themselves up after shows. (laughs) Never mind these crap jokes We get the proper Smackdown debut Of S.A. Rios and
1: Lita Mm, Now this is an interesting little predicament we find ourselves in With Lita and Matt Hardy around the ringside area Absolutely
2: And a brief bit of uh, background S.A. Rios had been on TV challenging for the light heavyweight title in 97-98 As Aguila Probably mispronouncing that most memorably challenging for the title at WrestleMania Xiv, aka the one with of uh, Austin HBK, that one. And even crazier, he was only nineteen at the time.
1: No, bizarre thing to think of. Yeah. Why does everyone on this show look so much older?
2: <laughs> oh, he was, he was sorry. He was nineteen in uh, ninety eight. Oh, oh, I thought he was nineteen now. I mean, it was yes, all right. I realise it would be funny. He was fifteen years old wrestling at WrestleMania. <laughs> Anyway, he's been part of WFTV for a while, in a very minor part, uh, being in Super Astros, that weird experiment that no one talks about, before randomly showing up on Sunday Night Heat with a new name, a new valet, and pitting Goldberg for the long-forgotten light heavyweight title, which, uh, side note, officially ended the job squad. Ah, so, Very sad. I know we're all paying attention to that. And, yeah, also... Sa Rios' little known valet Lita had competed or rather appeared in ECW as Miss Congeniality as Danny Doring and Roadkill's valet uh, hadn't really done much to stand out if I'm being honest uh, I don't know how she made it from ECW to WWF but she spent time in Mexico before this so she knew what she was doing and it's an interesting pairing to say the least they're both dressed similarly both red and the commentators pull over how And we've seen a replay of this on a previous episode of SmackDown, but not Match Itself. That Lita really enjoys copying S.A. Rios.
1: Which doesn't make any sense. She just, in the sense that she copies, in the sense that she has a similar moveset. But it's that weird sort of latching onto S.A. Rios by saying, oh, she's copying him. So, no, she's just a good wrestler, she's not copying him. (laughs) When said copying him, I was thinking like Miz and Damien Sandow. Right. Like Sandow right. was the stunt double outside the ring for the Miz that time. <laughs> oh, good times. Great times. She's more like Ditto.
2: <laughs> yeah, keeping it in 2000. And tonight we get S.A. Rios taking on Jeff Hardy. And I said, leader imitates everything S.A. Rios, says Michael Cole, which is weird because I don't know. S.A. Rios slept with Matt Hardy. <laughs> 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 Can't girls stop writing those jokes it's a fast-paced match that loses a lot of its impact after following the previous bunch of uh, midgets to be honest with you I'm not sure why they couldn't have waited until after the viscera match later on but hey i don't book SmackDown and don't pretend to jeff hardy gets pushed off the top rope and gets dunked on the guardrail so as rails follows with a stunning tope of the turnbuckles god he was good uh, Lola then talks about how good it was by uh, talking about how good the rock punching out Medium was. I mean, he's not wrong, but they clearly have nothing to talk about here. And this this is one of these matches where you almost wish Mike Taney could make an appearance and start telling us all the important information. But yeah, it's not. It to wasn't be. a bad
1: match. It was just they they were too invested in like the entertainment part of sports entertainment to really be bothered with it. Right, and you know, Lola and Cole are like, wow, that's a. That's a that's a move that is, eh.
2: Hmm. Anyway, SA hits a handspring and goes over Jeff Hardy to set up a German suplex, which is a spot I've thought about. Has anyone done that before? And I was very happy to see SREOS actually did it. So I was, that was nice. However, the German suplex doesn't happen. It gets blocked. Crowd does not care about most of this match, which is a shame. But it's also not surprising because S.A. has just showed up. So he's having to use his work rate right now to get himself over, and his pretty hair. Uh, Jeff Hardy's counter is described as poetry in motion by Michael Cole. It'll never take off. <laughs> and S.A. Rios lands a top rope Frankensteiner on Jeff, who then rolls outside, and then Lita lands it on Jeff on the outside. Big pop for that. Referee stops Lita from interfering, so Matt thinks, ah, sod this, and lands the twist of fate on him. But after Jeff Hardy lands the swanton, Lita lands a sloppy moon salt on front of the ref for the DQ. So... He loses, but wins via disqualification, so he keeps his title. And Essay's mad, even though she just saved him his title. So he yells at her. She yells at him. She slaps him, and they leave together mad. Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, to be honest with you, Tom. No wonder Essay Roosers get forgotten.
1: But the thing is, this is this is a the slowest of slow burn breakups because it's, they're gonna they're gonna still be a thing up until after backlash. Right. Because at Backlash, uh, Este Rios is actually on the pay-per-view with Lita. So this is a real slow burn. Because I thought, oh, there's the slap. And off we go with uh, the lita Hardy's combination. Then I realized, well, no, that's not for a while yet. That's still a way away. And, and, And her pairing, she's still with Rios when that happens. So it's a long build this is for the breakup. Like he's literally just debuted and they already seem to be long building the breakup. Yeah, to do, try and do a lot at once here. To
2: be honest with you, so uh, yeah, and it was a one of these matches where they're trying really hard, but they would have been better off if they'd slow down. Like I feel like an old person. I feel like Michael Hayes backstage, but they really were going 100 miles an hour and could have actually stopped emphasising some of the moves quite a bit. But Jeff would realise that later on down the road. I'm not sure what happened to SA. To be honest with you. Mhm. Yeah. Anyway, somewhere in the world of backstage land. Al Snow and Steve Blackman are wearing Hawaiian shirts and getting ready for Steve Blackman's blind date. Al is telling uh, Al is telling us that he set up Blackman with someone from his therapy group, and she shows up and she's a Steve Blackman fan.
1: Yay! So, so, no Who wonder she needs therapy. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Black. Gangrel, you to jokester. Stop writing this week's podcast. I'm trying to get employed. <laughs> no, It'll be Gangrel.
2: White Wolf, White Wolf, will let us go.
1: <laughs> White Wolf's still a thing, Gangrel. Yes.
2: <laughs> White, White Wolf told me that White Wolf told me not to come into work. I went, why? Is me, I haven't got any COVID <laughs> symptoms. He goes, no, we haven't. We haven't been in at WWF for twenty years.
3: He goes, oh, all right. <laughs>
2: Guess what, Tom? He sat down?
1: Mate, I am sat down. You know what's happening, right? Okay. It's back. That's right. The Lugs Slam of the Week. <laughs>
0: Yay!
1: It's all in the hugs. These lugs are made for slamming. <laughs> That's what they'll do. <laughs> Somewhere, right, do you know what I love, right? Think on this. <laughs> Think on this. I saw this Lugs advert again and I thought, about two months, about two weeks ago, a WWF sales rep was leaving the Lugs office with the biggest smile on his face. Like, probably punched the air as well, having re signed that big money deal with Lugs. Yes! Yes! I'm gonna call my wife. Barbara, I've signed the Lugs deal. You signed the Lugs deal? I signed the Lugs deal. Yes! Get yourself home for your dinner. And then he goes to the pub on the way home and he's like, Hey, how's your day been then, Brian? Hey, it's been good. It happened and the barman goes, You got the lugs deal? I got the lugs deal. Drinks for everybody. Brian got the Whee! lugs deal. <laughs> oh, what joy. Well hashtag Brian got the lugs deal. What a day. What a day for Brian. The best day of his life.
2: That's right. It was a red panty day for Brian that day. And
1: that's just on Brian. <laughs>
2: There's Gangrel in the pub. Oh, drinks are on you. I'll have a bloody Mary.
1: Bleh. <laughs> Can anyone try anyway, ring white wolf looks- off their phone? Because every time I ring, it just disconnects.
2: White wolf's turned the bands against us.
1: <laughs> turned the weeds against us. He's turned the weeds ween? against us.
2: I can't even get the meme right. Bleh.
1: <laughs> He's turned the memes against us. Oh, that's good. Bleh. Bleh.
2: A look, sum of the week is not Brian's deal. Oh. It is The Rock getting screwed by Shane O'Mac. That was the boot of the week. Decide and conquer. It's for your feet. Kill all billionaires. Well it's done, <laughs> Well
1: done, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Brian. Hashtag Brian oh, got sorry, the Sorry, it's 2000.
2: Deal. Sorry, phone symbol, 2000. <laughs> well
1: done. Yeah, weird phone symbol we don't understand, 2000. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the Legion
2: of Doom, Steve Blackman's date talks endlessly and he looks uncomfortable seeing a personality.
1: <laughs> we ha- we'll That's come- it. We'll come back to this later.
2: Oh, don't you worry, podcast listeners. There's no need to skip ahead. There will be more of Blackman's date. <laughs> anyway, Shane Mack and Big Show show up. Uh, show has changed his look again. Sporting the biggest
1: jacket I have ever seen on a man. How many? How many of the now rare denim gazelles were killed <laughs> to make the jacket for Big Show? I don't know, but somewhere,
2: some dwarfs using it for their big top in some sort of
1: <laughs> bizarre circus. Uh, some, somebody is. Somebody desires a denim bedspread for for a king size. And they are sleeping comfortably underneath there. Somewhere, that denim jacket has been discarded in a in, a, in an alleyway. And an alleyway. And a family of kittens are using it to keep them warm. It's currently the basis of the dome for Ant World. <laughs> <laughs> Big shots, like, oh, I, I need more the... of these. Brian, you're on fire at the moment. Can you get us a deal with the Denim Company? <laughs>
2: The ants speak of Antworld and go, damn it, it just can't be broken into.
1: <laughs> it's a maximum security prison for, for, for grasshoppers. Some old ant
2: in the ant pub going, there'll be only two ways through into Antworld. Shut up, old ant. You don't know none.
1: I've been there. The bottom how do you know
2: How do you know about the ways in and out of Antworld? <laughs> I broke out of it. And they're like, whoa. It turns out the ways are
1: through the right sleeve and through the left sleeve. It's very anticlimactic, pun intended. And we I'll move on through a through a pocket with a hole in. I know, cause I dug that hole. And you look in the you look in the pocket of Big Show's denim jacket, and inside is a teeny tiny picture of Marilyn Monroe stuck to the bottom. <laughs> that a rat that a rat police guard throws a stone at, and you hear it echo all down the lining of the jacket. And the ant security guard goes, "No!" <laughs> he crawled through two miles of shit and piss to, to get out of that jacket.
2: Put his arms up in the air. I'm free. And he's <laughs> immediately ran over by an eighteen wheel.
1: <laughs> if you've come here to talk about wrestling this week, you're bitterly disappointed.
2: Oh yeah, sorry. Back to Chamberman and the big jacket.
1: <laughs>
2: he should have renamed himself. He is no longer the big
1: show, but the big jacket. <laughs> Why you got the big jacket? Well I've got a big jacket. Fair enough. It's easy enough. <laughs> and when he gets ready for the show stop,
2: we showed Jacket!
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's unbuttoning his jacket! He means business! <laughs> oh
2: no! We know when the jacket gets unbuttoned, that's when the shit hits the fan. So and it gets one, quite sorry.
1: warm. <laughs> I'm going to take my jacket off. Why? Are you kicking off? Is it, are you about to do your finisher? No, because then I won't feel the benefit when I go outside. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Loud asshole chants for Shane McMahon and presumably people listening to this podcast, chanting it at, at me and Tom. And Shane McMahon replies, he's missed them too. <laughs> Shane McMahon recaps what we've already seen from No Way Out and Raw. The kids call him Shane Recap.
1: <laughs> oh, Christ.
2: And by kid, I mean, of course, our favorite vampire. <laughs> Bella Lugosi. <laughs> but he says he can't allow The Rock to dominate the WWF like Austin did. He says Vince allowed Austin to become an icon. So eventually he became too big for him to crush in the end. And I actually like that. Even though we get a lot of Shane and blah, blah, blah. How great is Shane? How big is Shane's dick? And blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. That's actually a nice bit of uh, reasoning. That I think doesn't get looked at enough. No, exactly. Anyway, I like Show. it. Absolutely. And Big Show will take on Triple H at WrestleMania. Of course he will. Uh, the Rock shows up and says, You bleep the Rock off. Don't know what that means. Uh, the Rock isn't number one contender or main event in WrestleMania, but he's still the people's champ. Crowd cheer. So if he's got nothing to lose, he'll take on both Shane and Show tonight. And Shane says, Wow, two on one. That's music to my ears. And then we get music in our ears as Rikishi shows up. I don't know who wrote that in the script, but bloody hell. Um, he said, it's like when someone in a crap film goes, oh, yeah, you and what army, and you're like, oh, okay. You know, and the 1973 Battalion shows up. You're like, oh, okay. Who would have seen that one coming? Um, Rikishi shows up, and he says, The Rock doesn't need his help to beat these two jabronis, but the crowd want to see two things. Show taking the rock bottom, and Shane's face in my bottom. Shane's like, wait, wait, no, no. I don't want a tag match. I want a handicap match, but no one cares. I'm mean, going to move on. <laughs> Fun segment here. Any thoughts, Tom?
1: I liked it. Uh, and what I like is we know at this point how far in advance they're planning the, uh, the Austin Rikishi story. So it makes them planting Rikishi with the rock so early on makes so much more sense. They could have kind of gone... I think they could have got leaned in a little bit more to this over the months to come <clears throat> by having Rikishi very much become sort of the Rock's silent protector. Not overly so, but on the odd occasion when like the numbers were stacked up against the Rock, you could have Rikishi just come along and go, hey, you don't need me, but I'm here to help you. You know, or have him just, just take out somebody on the sly. Like, you could have done a bit more of that. Maybe they did, and I didn't notice it. Maybe we'll find out as we go along. But no, no qualms with Rikishi and The Rock teaming up tonight. That'd be a fun main event. Yeah, that would
2: be nice. So like The Rock's like, oh, man, Rikishi, I can confide in you. You're my guardian angel. That's right. I mean, and what am I going to do about Austin? If he comes back and wants a title, I can always run him over. <laughs> what? What? I mean, you, I mean
1: you could always run over there and have a think about what you'd do.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, when I feel bad, I go for a run in my car.
1: <laughs> I drive to the balloon, the balloon warehouse. Yeah, and...
2: sometimes I can't be bothered to do the cardio, so I just get in the car and drive a bit and i pretend, <laughs> pretend I've walked
1: Cardio. Out.
2: Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait, here's Gangrel, and I thought my joke sucked. Blah! <laughs> <laughs> And I thought I sucked. Ooh, he's Blech. not a fan. Blech. Backstage, we get the SmackDown debut of SmackDown, Yay! the PlayStation 1. Yay!
1: And
2: who better. <laughs> oh, no, I did not thought about that. Yeah, How would you hit a finisher in... on
1: this? All the controls are different to No Mercy. <laughs> Stay! <laughs> it's not as many
2: characters. Stev, I think that they rushed this release because of the popularity of WWE, worth. and this is exemplified by the fact that we got SmackDown two less than
1: six months later. <laughs> uh, Stev, the controls are clunky, <laughs> and the yeah. animation's janky Stev, why is it just? Why could you not see the arena when they walk out, and it's just the the, the video behind them? It looks weird. <laughs> it looks like they're it looks like they're trapped in the, it looks like they're trapped in Undertale.
2: Is it a metaphor, Steph? I can't tell. I take things at face value. I don't understand something. (laughs) I don't do well with
1: deepness. I once nearly drowned in two inches of water. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so this is um, the launch of SmackDown. Uh, Ux and THQ getting that lucrative WWF PlayStation release right now. Very different to the WWF games that we have known. And uh, what were your thoughts moving from No Mercy to SmackDown?
2: I preferred No Mercy, but mm. nearly everyone I knew played SmackDown. Why is that, Matthew? Was the PlayStation generation just stronger than the N64 ones? Uh no, you could get a copied version of it off your dad's mate a lot easier than you could with the No Mercy, which you would need to get a, I don't know... A, what was a bootleg N64? The Doctor 64. <laughs> That's right, because my mate had one. It looked cool as hell but I had no idea where to buy one. But really? we all had a friend of your dad's to get a PlayStation 1 chipped and then get... <laughs> 3 of Smackdown on a VCD.
1: Oh, man. That's a Sorry, treat. Sorry, not even
2: a VCD. No, I'm, I'm talking
1: about uh, CDRs. God. <laughs> that is a treat. I'm curious as to why they... Ch- now, I don't know whether you can shed any light on this or if there's any video game fans that, ch- that can shed any light on this. Um... Obviously, the, the big difference is a lack of AKI, the lack of Aki. Um, why did the Aki thing come to an end? I don't know. Me
2: neither. I assume that they was the the license just got uh, outbid. I mean, they had taken it from Acclaim. So.
1: Possibly. But obviously, the first uh, WDF No Mercy was developed by uh, Asmic Ace and the Aki Corporation. This was still a THQ game. Uh, But it was developed uh, by Ukes. Or published by Ukes, rather. Uh, So, yeah, it was developed by Ukes, sorry. It was developed by Ukes. So it completely overhauled the the engine. Brand new style of gameplay. I didn't sit very well with this. I don't think I'm the same boat as you, where I preferred No Mercy. I was excited to get it. Excited to play it. But I think even the first couple of days of playing it, I thought this doesn't... Do you know what my, my instinct was? This moves too quickly. Like the the animation, uh, yes, the it is a so lot more fast. fast-paced. Yeah, it's so. But I quite liked the the slowness of No Mercy. I quite liked that pace, and so it was a bit like jumping into a cold bath, for me personally, of just how different it felt. I thought the the lack of entrances was a shame because I was a big fan of. I think there's two different types of wrestling fan when it comes to wrestling games. There are some who just want to like simulate a wrestling game, and that's fine. There's there's like All Stars and Two K. Uh, the new 2k game coming out which are going to be right up your cul-de-sac um but there's some that just like the whole product of the the of, of wrestling they like the whole the arenas and the the entrances and the pizzazz around it and you lose all of that when you move over to smackdown at least for a couple of years uh by just having like these these very cold feeling video entrances uh, that that don't really make any cont because it's it's the guy. It's like you'll have the rock's entrance in this game, and it'll be the rock walking down to the ring, getting on the ring apron, and posing. But you don't see the ramp, you don't see the ring, so it just looks like you've got the rock's video and the rock walking and having a seizure. Like it, it, in con, without the without the things around it, it makes very little sense. Um, but the gameplay itself was was fine, albeit a bit a bit pacey for me. Um, pop quiz question for you: um, Do you know what this game was called in Japan? Uh, no. It was called Exciting Pro Wrestling in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was uh, because uh, there was there were several reasons. They were concerned that it might not. Um, there was possibly the reason, the main one that they were concerned it might not sell as well with WWF's branding on it because um, the wrestling world in Japan is so different. It was then, still is now. Uh, But there was the concern by making it like a WWF-heavy thing, it wouldn't sell as well. So sort of exciting pro wrestling, by emphasizing the pro wrestling part of it, it might connect it more with All Japan and New Japan and, and that world there. So that's why the name changed. That was up until 2007, when, they, when SmackDown vs. Raw came out and they just said, ah, oh, we'll call it SmackDown versus Raw. Of course, D'Lo Brown is playing SmackDown backstage because he's a huge nerd and he's
2: picked himself to take on Triple H. Probably the only time that'll happen on TV. And Kurt Angle is talking about how good he is, what a great wrestler he is and everything. And D'Lo is ignoring him because the game is just so fast-paced that he has to give all his attention to WF SmackDown. Then Road Agent Signings Order comes in to tell him the Godfather is looking for him. So D'Lo for Some reason then switches off the console and leaves rather than pause it. I don't know what that's about. Maybe he didn't. He was not told about the exciting pause feature. And then Angle is a mat is this for some reason very mad that Science thought it would dare interrupt <laughs> Kurt Angle's uh, rant about how great he was. <laughs> and so Sargent says, Hey, how dare you talk to me like this? I've still got my gear, you know. So if you want to match tonight, it's on maggot. <laughs> and Kurt Angle's very surprised that he's actually getting a match. And sadly, there's barely any pop for Slaughter. And no wonder this location we're in America did not get named by commentators because they're a miserable bunch of minds. Speaking of big pops, Taz is here. Yeah, All is forgiven. And he's brought to you by Milk and Giant Post of the Rock to scare your kids. (laughs) The Road to Savings, which is something related to cars. And of course, Smackdown for the PlayStation 1. And it's worth mentioning, this is the release date in North America for this game. So it's actually the day it's out is then, so. Oh.
1: Ah, yeah,
3: intriguing. Cool.
2: Yeah. And Taz is taking on Crash Holly, hardcore champion. And it's interesting seeing these two wrestling WF because these two had a bit of a beef during Crash Holly's very brief run there. And, did they? Uh, I was, yeah, I listened to both of them tell it, talk about it in their interviews they did with, uh, I believe, High Spot in our video. Uh, Crash Holly, who was, I think, a volunteer, not like a volunteer, but you know, like a, a young boy, uh, one of Taz's lads, And one time he showed up and he's supposed to be, you know, setting up the arena, putting up chairs and move the guardrails and whatnot. Uh, Apparently he was tired from something. So he just slept on some chairs while everyone else did some work. And Taz had to be, you know, Taz and be like, how dare you sleep here? You know, sleep if you can, survive if I let you and all this (laughs) stuff. And was bad blood then. Crashly didn't last long. After that in ECW, I don't think he wrestled or anything like that. It was just, you know, an underling. Uh, And... Then they get the WF, and apparently it was all good by that point. They talked it
1: out; everything's all right. But I thought it was an interesting thing that not many people talked about the. Crush I race. didn't know. I didn't. I knew that Mike Lockwood was there ever so briefly, but I didn't know like there was heat between him and uh, Mrs. Sinertia uh, during his time there because he had the audacity to sleep. Wrestlers are weird. <laughs> Just there is there was uh, there's such a. I think it's with, I guess it's with any sort of thing that you're passionate about. There is such a, a pack mentality sometimes to it, where it's just like, oh, you're tired and you want to sleep? I haven't slept for a month, so therefore you are weak, so we'll just let me sleep. <laughs> it's like, funny, funny yeah. buggers, funny buggers.
2: I'll say this, though, it's an alpha male move for Crash Holly to fall asleep, right, so everyone can see him. Like, <laughs> either he was completely knackered I he went, oh, yeah i am show sure you who's the medium-sized dog around here, Taz.
1: <laughs> so you think it might be a power play to do it in front of everybody?
2: Like, like a dog, he should have fell fell asleep on Taz's gear. <laughs> Use it as a little pillow. He goes, "Where's my gear?" And then Taz sees it, and goes, "Well, I don't want to wake him." He's so cute, <laughs> lying there. Anyway, they brawl through the crowd almost immediately, and we get told how Callie suffered a torn rib cartilage as you told us beforehand, a Samoan drop did it say
1: who gave him the Samoan drop uh, it was Rikishi. oh during a during a house show so we might not see bob for it but i think i don't think it's as bad as, as we think it is because bob is back in time for backlash and
2: wrestlemania as well and
1: wrestlemania of course yeah and for wrestlemania yeah. so he's going to be fine he's absolutely fine he's just he's sleeping he's it off okay. this week he's, he's,
2: he's hardcore come on anyway they brawl backstage and crash denser wall then Prince Albert shows up, but misses his flying whatever, and so does Big Boss Man. So, Taz locks Albert in a freezer, like the butler from Tomb Raider. And then Crash Holly hits Taz with a 2x4, and as Taz gets the... What have I written here? Oh, I see what I've written here. And as Taz gets the you-get-beat-up-and-lose push that has worked well so over the years, Crash Holly gets a sneak win and then leaves. And yeah, again as I've done a very bad job typing this up uh, Taz loses here but it's because he got beat up so badly Yeah, so, so it it's wasn't, kinda, um, he still looks
1: good in defeat but if you do this
2: every single week eventually you're just going to look bad because you lose every day
1: it wasn't a shoo-in for Taz but like you say there's only so often you can get away with um, losing via shenanigans before people just give up on you and I'm nervous that Taz is very close to that uh, to that side of the of the door which makes me nervous for him Absolutely.
2: And we go back to Steve Blackman's date. And all I've typed here's she still talks lots. With that's that, that's it.
1: that's the whole bit in it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Good job. They've learned the lesson from the Mae Young's APA segments so and know that you've got to build these things up. You've got to do the exact same joke every time for five segments. But never mind that. Because we walk into history. As Crash Holly is interviewed by Lillian Garcia backstage. And Crash Holly having to say, "Wow, I'm so good at this hardcore malarkey. I'm the greatest. I'm this. I'm that. I'm everything. Hell, I'll just defend the title 24/7, all the time.
1: Because why not? I'm so good. I can get away with it. And with that, a star is born." Ah, oh, this was one of those moments where um, I was watching. So I was watching this SmackDown back in the in the front room, and uh, and Alex was joined. Alex was there as well. So. We're kind of watching the episode, and and as soon as Crash starts talking, as soon as he says, "I'm so good at this thing," I went, "Oh!" and I picked up my phone and started writing. I think Alex would be like, "What's he said there?" That's so like, well, this is important. This is like a this is the birth of a of a big part of the industry. This is the first inklings of the twenty four seven championship. You know, it's still a thing to this day. People look back on this era that we're about to boldly tread into. Of uh, as one of the best eras for the hardcore championship when it was defended twenty four seven. It was just constant promos and shenanigans and backstage silliness. Ah, oh, what a wonderful time we're about to enter!
2: Absolutely, this era is still remembered by people who haven't watched
1: wrestling since. <sighs> and it's but, true, and now on. to the point where, like, one of the the at least up until everything the until the world caught fire, one of the key. Areas of uh, of of WWE programming was a belt that was kind of like is kind of considered the son of this particular belt, which is the twenty four seven championship.
2: Well said. In the next segment, Road Dog is here, but like Australia in nineteen ninety six, DX removed all their guns as Billy was blamed for the tag title loss at No Way Out and thrown out. So Road Dog gets in the ring and says there were once. Some outlaws who were damn good, but one of them lost his manhood.
1: But crowd's happy just to hear him say, Suck it! <laughs> They're just there for the suck it, aren't they? They're there for the suck it. <laughs> They're God. only there for the suck it. <laughs> and this is the start of the Road
2: Dog X-Pac team, which I don't have that many happy memories of, to be honest with you, but we'll see where it goes. Maybe I was wrong. And Edge and Christian are here. Continuing to get stalked by Terry. What?
1: Yeah, that's a bit weird. <clears throat> like, she, she how old would Terry be at this point? Well, she has a age and she has how old
2: certain bits of her body are. Uh, let me have a look. Terry. Matthew is getting her age.
1: <laughs> Matthew is getting her age. The best thing you can do is take off her head and count the rings.
2: Matthew's getting her age. God, She's thirty-four here, but with the amount of plastic surgery she's had, some of her oddly I mean probably not the unintentional effect of plastic surgery when you do it like she's done it, is she
1: look older. So yeah, so that's bit, it. She doesn't she looks older than she needs than 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 yeah. she was at this point.
2: It's a weird thing though. But anyway, yeah, so she continues to stalk both the lads. And, yeah, to tag match, Edge and Christian taking on uh, the new New Age Outlaws, as named by Lawler. Yeah, that'll stick. And <laughs> one positive thing of this Throwing Together tag team is the fact that they are definitely heels now. Crowd approved of Billy Gunn and the Suck at Shenanigans. They hate X-Pac. So they're allowed DX Suck's chances. Suddenly the goalposts have been moved. And X-Pac is so hated that when Road Dogg has Edge in a chin lock, the crowd chant, X-Pac sucks. <laughs> it's, that, it's that glorious X-Pac heat, isn't it? Absolutely. It's great because he turns to them and goes, I'm not even doing anything. <laughs> He's on the apron waiting for a tag. and He's like, what? Why? <laughs> Edge gets the tag after a match. I couldn't be bothered to recap. Uh, Christian gets the tag. That's only hot. But it's only thanks to the artificial heat they're pumping in. and There's been a lot of it this episode, rather like uh, Terry Reynolds' face. Edge gets distracted by Terry, who slaps him for rejecting her advances. And that isn't like Edge. Christian gets distracted by the distraction, and X-Pac gets the X-Factor in the wacky Edge finish of the week. And we really need a Harry Hill segment audio for that, as it happens so frequently. Uh, you know, the Edge finish of the week. <laughs> That's a nice callback. Thank you. And then Christian pushes Edge, but nothing comes of
1: it. Any thoughts here, Tom? Um, I, I, I forgot, again, another nice little bit that I'd forgotten about, which is the continuing saga of Terry trying to... I don't know whether she's trying to win over Edge and Christian, or whether it's just she's trying to still screw over the Hardys, or whether she's just being an ass for being an ass's sake. Um, Road Dogg and X-Pac would be... They'd just be like the I mean they were tagging last year. Like, so they've been like the the new new age outlaws for quite a while now. Um and it was fine. It was just a, a very straightforward match. Edge and Christian, they're gonna be friends for a long, long time. Yeah. Yes, friends. Yeah. Cool I brought the <laughs> EPA. Were you expecting me to say a bit more about the match?
2: Not like it's like, yay, friends. I'm like, yeah. Imagine that. Moving on from friendship. <laughs> a nice video package for the APA. They explain that they're open for bidness because they need beer money. And they have a, what are those things called where you put documents in? A filing cabinet. A filing cabinet. They have a filing cabinet and they're looking for the good beer. Nothing there, just ice. Open up the second one, there's the mediocre beer. Oh, and here's the bad beer. Sums up their gimmick very easily, very quickly. Good times of the APA. More to come.
1: I loved it. I'm ready for. I'm ready for the APA era.
2: Absolutely. Shame it, man, and Big Show walk into DX's locker room. <gasps> what does this mean, etc. Oh, look. trouble afoot, maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Testers here. Hey, remember him?
1: Oh, how sad is it on... that we've got a video game, <laughs> uh, video game segment and a test segment, but they're not connected.
2: He's not even good enough to be the guy who plays video games backstage.
1: <laughs> and also, what did D'Lo Brown do tonight? Like he was there getting chewed out by Angle for playing the wrestling game, and then he left halfway through his halfway through his match on the screen, and then we never saw him on TV. Well, the Godfather needed him. Ah, for hoe and pimp based activities. Godfather <laughs> Do you have um, hey Godfather, do you have any uh any 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 hoes called Steph? There's one over there. Steph!
3: <laughs>
1: How do you do Ricky's finisher? God,
3: do you remember Godfather,
2: Godfather's version of Stephanie? How do I look Ken
1: Chamrock at Big Show in SmackDown two? <laughs> I'm just checking the release date of because there's oh it's not till August. We'll talk about it when we get to August. Um, from on a similar vein to SmackDown, the the Dreamcast exclusive Royal Rumble uh, comes out. Oh, i have forgotten about August. that. We'll have some fun when we get to that, mate. What a game. <laughs>
2: Featuring ten man Royal Rumble, but there's only about eight people in, so there's just clones of Vincent Mann trying to throw
1: you out. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I bloody love when a wrestling match happens and then all the players get teleported backstage. <laughs> God, I what a I haven't thought about that game in
2: years, mate.
1: <laughs> oh, we're gonna we're gonna dissect it in a couple of months time. Yeah.
2: Hopefully while it's still alive
1: hopefully
2: so test taking on viscera two guys we love making fun of and michael cole is so thrilled about the idea of this match that he plugs a restaurant you can meet the rock at this (laughs)
1: this week these two clearly aren't money no. So we're going to move on and pretend that this yeah. match isn't happening. But they, right. but you know what? It's almost as if Test and Viscera hear the commentary and just go, screw you, we're going to really go for it in this match now.
2: Oh, and- absolutely. Because after talking about Sheamus McMahon for two minutes, they then go outside. Test can't slam Viscera. So Viscera sends him flying over the ring steps, a la McFoley. Viscera then climbs the bell ringer's table in a crazy sight. But he gets shoved off. They brought the ring. Test dunks Viscera's face in an exposed turnbuckle, slams him, and then nails
1: the top rope elbow. And that is a hot, hot finish for a cold, cold guy. It really is. Like They just went for it near the end. It was fantastic. Good for them. Good for yeah. you, Tess. Trying to snatch some, some glory from the jaws of apathy. I'm proud of you.
2: <laughs> and again, uh, Viscera, I love it when he has his little five-minute match where he does a lot and then that's it. He's a sprinter, not a marathon runner. Oh. He's a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> and afterwards, Shane and Sho leave the locker room. Ooh, what does this mean, etc. It means, Tom, that we get more of Steve Blackman's data.
1: <laughs> the never-ending story. I mean, I wouldn't mind if they <laughs> added a little bit to this, but each time they've really not, unless they're about to. <gasps> Let's find out. Uh, she's still talking that's good Al Snow appears in
2: the background to dance to the cafe's musician who's doing the personality she's got personality song uh Al Snow may as well have been carrying a giant arrow
1: (laughs) do you get it huh Steve Blackburn
2: is dull and boring and she won't shut up
1: (laughs) personality <laughs> personality. <laughs> michael cole did uh, hit the joke over the head when they came back from it and he was like hey did you hear they were playing the song personality oh, <laughs> just
2: defeat this over the head the guy who was playing the piano in the cafe his name was Personality gym. Like, what
1: the f- <laughs> no, it's Steve Blackman had one of them. Then it's hey. to Steve Blackman who says, "Can I order a personality?" And they're like, "No, you can order fish." Oh no, I've made a terrible error. My character is personalityless. Right, you expect them to be. Well, oh, we'll get
2: on with it later on. I'll do a criticism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll we'll finish up. Shortly. Speaking
2: of personalities, here's one who has fifteen. Kurt Angler's here.
1: Hey, and he well says, enough for hey, fifteen. Look. He's not like fifteen. Per- he's not got like multiple personality Oh yeah, he's it. not like
2: that. That film that bombed um, <laughs> and the M Night Shyamalan Glass superhero thing. That oh yeah, the where the guy's the got thing.
1: all this yeah. It's a shame that bombed.
2: Yeah, he had so many personalities, <laughs> and all of them think Steve Blackman is boring. Kurt Angler's here to say something sort of maybe old and bald. But there's a new hero you can all look up to—the Eurocontinental Champ Kurt Angle—and there is the mildest of mild pops for Sergeant Slaughter, and that's being nice. Aww. And this is the start of Sergeant Slaughter's annual show up
1: to lose to the new guy squash. When was the last time that Slaughter wrestled? I'm thinking, was it 1998 when he was? Oh, in... you
2: mean but um, before becoming a cameo guy? Well, you yeah. had the little feud with. Triple H and DX. We had the boot camp match at In Your House DX. Uh, But I'm pretty sure by that, that was a cameo. Oh, Uh, yeah. He was a regular guy. That's a a good question. He was commissioner slaughter at that point. He was. And he was just sick of their personalities. And, and And incidentally,
1: fun little caveat to that. Uh, on that uh, that show in your house, DX, Sergeant Slaughter versus Triple H in a boot camp match. Sergeant sure. Slaughter comes out to what would become Kurt Angle's theme tune. That's not right. He, he shouldn't have. <laughs> I know he shouldn't have, but he did. You watch um, in your house, D- DX. Christmas. He comes out to Kurt Angle's theme music, which was before that the Patriots' theme music. Yeah. As a regular, he. I'm going to say 1992.
2: Yeah, 992 according to was when he was the last proper full-time guy. Uh, he, of course, did take the Sergeant Slaughter bump, as I call it, in the Rumble 92. It's completely ridiculous. Oh, we'll come with that in a minute. And then after that, he was around WWF. He'd sometimes appear at house shows and that. He did the AWF, bloody hell. I was going to say, I'm 96. sure was he,
1: he was in the AWF because I saw the promo with him talking about how revolutionary the round system is. And then he...
2: God, 98 was such a weird year. He had a boot camp match with Al Snow oh Raw in uh, September of 98. That is a bizarre thing. That must man. have been on an episode of Raw. It was. Ooh. God, what the hell is that about? Anyway, 98 is absolutely insane. You look at some of these results. And we go to Sergeant Slaughter now. He What does he do? He gets a two-count or some knee lifts, and the match isn't that great. Crowd isn't that into it. don't really care that much. But never mind that. The match is made because someone has one of those white boards you can scribble stuff off and write new stuff on that says, Where's General Adnan? <laughs> it's very clear. Nah, I got a big pop out me.
3: <laughs> the Cobra
2: Clutch gets locked in. There's actually a bigger pop for that than the transmission. <laughs> so they don't like Slaughter, but they love the Cobra
1: Clutch. Big pop for the Clutch. That made yeah. me happy. I think bigger pop for the Clutch than they did than than for Slaughter's entrance. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Kurt Angle's going to tap.
2: Oh my God. Then Kurt tries to throw him over the shoulder, but Captain Manorin lads on his big, (laughs) bald head. (laughs) And God, that looked painful. But not as painful as Slaughter taking the Slaughter bump
1: over the ropes and out the outside. And I checked, he was 52 when he did this. That was a wild bump. That was a young person's bump, that was, where he went flying into the corner, bounced over the top and hit the ground. Jeez, just looked uncomfortable.
2: There was no need for him to do it, but I'm happy he did it. And Kurt Angle escapes the Cobra Clutch again. is able to land the Angle Slam, but only just to end it. Uh, I, on paper, and for a nerd like me that loves Sgt. Slaughter as a kid, I'm like, yeah, this should be great. This
1: should be awesome. The crowd is just like, all right. I think because it's such a, a foregone conclusion that Angle's beating Slaughter. Like, there was no misconception. And also, the build up was via one video package backstage. So there wasn't like a lot of hype for this. And I don't know whether they could have played something Well, they I think nowadays if they were going to do that now, they kill time by playing like a little video package of Slaughter to go, "Hey, look, this is what this guy has done. Former WWF champion, da 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 da. Little 30-second video just showing who Sergeant Slaughter is before he comes out." Would have made that. Uh, nowadays if they did it, uh, Slaughter would have won. <laughs> I mean, there is that too. <laughs> Still would sort have of pinned him clean. Yeah.
2: And the Riff Slam of the Week is brought to you by Back Backtalking Crushers, the action figures that talk
1: back. Matthew, what would your back talking action figures say?
2: Diddler. Over and over again. You squeeze me once and I never shut up. <laughs> diddler, diddler, diddler. Shut up, shut up, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I'm throwing the incinerator, and you can still hear me. I was hoping you'd say woof woof boo moo, but I will accept diddler. I have, I have many catchphrases. You really I'm like the rock at this point on colorholic. I mean,
3: <laughs>
2: if it's not diddler, it's not. Wow, what a great podcast! Uh, falling off the chair, uh, action. What would yours be? Was it just be
1: welcome? It would. Um, I think it would be maybe love you by, mm. or how you doing? Or if people in YouTube comment sections can stop being arseholes, that'd be great. (laughs) Um, Or maybe, welcome everyone! (laughs) I'd like it it to be a, a number of those. I'd like it to be, right, five catchphrases that loop, all adorable. But then there is a hidden catchphrase. That after like 15 plays through, it's just me going, kill everybody you know. Oh God, Tom. Show the people of the land your strength.
2: <laughs> Be less positive, wrestling's <laughs> fake.
1: They have wronged you, you can make it right. <laughs> like just something really sinister as you pull that last time. Gregory Irons, a liar. <laughs> oh, I like Gregory Iron.
2: Yeah, I spoke to him yesterday for a video we wanted to do and he was a very nice chap.
1: He's ace. Bloody love he spent him. the
2: entire time putting me over and I was like, you were nice too. Oh, <laughs> So is he going to be in Botchamania? Is that an exclusive? Exclusive? No, it's a thing for Gregory Iron's thing. He's trying to be an entrepreneur like all the good wrestlers should be now. Very nice. Because it turns out you can't make your rent just by going, I was in Jakara once. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but never mind that. I don't talk about Gregory Iron or your action figure. I need to talk about the back-talking crushers. Come on, then. I went and Google because I'm like, I'm interested in these figures. There's so many put out during this period. Like... They had to think of different ways to put over the same guys, and this is one of them. So if Rock and Take a big show in Austin, would you like to know what they say when you squeeze them?
1: Yes, please, mate.
2: If you squeeze the rock, he would go, you can't hurt the people's champ. <laughs> Undy would say, Don't smash my arm. <laughs> Austin's famous expression of, you can't break my leg. <laughs> And the big shows is, it's showtime. <laughs> Which doesn't make a lot of sense compared to the other ones, i have got to tell you. I think there was a bit of mistranslation there. But this line would sell well enough to make a second line later on. And we'll make fun of that too when it comes to it.
1: They, they, so the they half made you, some you... weird figures, didn't they, WWF? They half made... Right. Do you remember the ones that sweat? <laughs> yes. Yes. Sweaty figures.
2: That was a proper 1998
1: action figure. Sweaty action figures. Fill them with water so they sweat. Because for me, a big draw as a wrestling fan is when the wrestlers sweat. Somebody would have had to explain that. Brian in sales would have had to sell that. Hmm. And stand in the meeting going, now we've done a focus group and we realised that eight out of the ten perverts that we focus grouped said they love it when wrestlers sweat. So... (laughs) Ta da! <laughs> Sweaty action figures. And also, per the pervert focus group that we did, uh, three of them are going to come barefoot. Ta da! <laughs> God. Yes.
2: We uh, also forget the ones we're calling WF Action Figures Presents. License to print money
3: <laughs>
2: at this point. So, yeah, they sweat. Great. Um, the brains pop out their heads. Awesome. They say one line of dialogue that isn't their catchphrase. Gimme three.
3: <laughs>
1: oh yeah.
2: It would be good though. They missed out on having a big show. Action figure that k- complains and whines every time you touch it. <laughs>
1: Why are you hurting me? What's changed? <laughs> Shut up, man.
2: The rock started it. <laughs> anyway, some of the week is still. What? Is Kane still mad at X-Pac for some reason? (laughs) And destroying the Dudleys and Road Dogg on Raw. So, next up, we have Kane versus both of the Dudley boys at the same time. And, no, I'm lying. Before that, Kurt Angle is very happy after defeating American hero, Sans Thorda. So, he rips up a big bag of popcorn in front of the cleaner because he's just so happy.
1: (laughs) Because that's what I do and I'm happy.
2: (laughs) Woo! Anyway, Kane versus Duds is here. Both Duds in at once. Uh, it's very much a handicap match. Devon is up for a tombstone. Bubba chop blocks him, so Kane drops Devon onto Bubba, but he doesn't sell it because it wasn't supposed to happen. And this goes on for a while until blah blah blah. Devon eventually choke through a table for disqualification. Any thoughts here, Tom?
1: Uh, fine match. I don't. I don't know. They, they didn't make the tag champs look bad really. They looked like mm. they were battering a monster in the form of Kane, but they put themselves in a situation where Kane couldn't lose, nor could the Dudleys, so we have this weird little DQ finish. Um, I don't remember what was the impetus behind this match. Did they go into it? Yeah, as the, we explained in the DoF Slam of the Week, presented by uh, action figures
2: that sweat right. when you squeeze them hard enough, that uh, it, they, Kane must have been involved in a match with x and the Dudley boys, but then Kane
1: was a house on fire. Oh, sorry, sorry, King, And uh, end up taking them all out. Right, that makes sense. I must have missed that. I was too busy writing about action figures. Yeah. I'm
2: glad I'm here to help you out on the important things. Thanks, mate. And you are here to tell us about exciting pro wrestling in Japan. <laughs> and speaking of things that are exciting in pro wrestling, Steve Blackman's date. <laughs> oh, no, what's this? Blackman's left, so it's just date. Uh, I'll ask... <laughs> I'll ask what happened to Steve. And she says, well, apparently he had to leave. He had a brain aneurysm. And so Al Snow starts talking to her instead, and they actually get along fine. And that's that, that. that's it. That's your payoff. That's the punchline. And I know it's easy to pick on things that are badly written, but surely the joke should have been that she's normal and Blackman is just so dull and uninteresting that she leaves. I mean, surely she should have been like, well, what do you do for fun when you're not wrestling? I like to play on my sticks and bounty hunt. <laughs> i right. like, what's the last film you saw? Operation Sandman starring Hardcore Holly. <laughs>
1: That's the last film we all saw.
2: What's the last song you listen to? My theme song. <laughs> Let me like, it just it doesn't you, work but... on any level. Um, no. They don't get the joke, I don't think they're right. I think they scribble it down on a pad and just go, you figure it out. <laughs> and it sucks. Any thoughts on this, Tom? Before we move on, and never speak of it again. Uh,
1: no, I think uh, you've summed it up nicely. You just seemed a bit pointless. It like saying, "Oh, like there was no, it's there's no act, there's no rule of three, there's no comedy three act rule here, where it's like mm. three things that lead to a finish at the end. It was well, it wasn't even three. It was four, maybe even five, and with no conclusion really, other than Steve Blackman left. <laughs> there was just this was pointless. This was pointless. Yes.
2: Well done for writing a beginning, a beginning, and a beginning.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what they did.
2: Speaking of beginnings, Lillian's on the phone backstage, and Crash again reminds us it's 24-7, baby. So he heads out to the parking lot, puts the title in the trunk, but dun-dun-dun, it's the Mean Street Posse. And after a bin shot to Crash's head, Pete Gass tries to go for the pin. Oh, but Rodney breaks it up. They argue a bit. Oh, then... Joey Abs tries to get the pin. Oh, and then they start fighting each other. And while they're doing that, Crash Holly drives off with the trunk still open. And this would be a a repeated thing we'd see again and again. And it's a great use of the Mean Street posse.
1: And it's the beginning of something special for the 24-7 title. I thought watching, well, first of all, watching Lillian Garcia on a payphone was was something that very much ages this show beautifully. With Lillian on a payphone. I thought Lillian was going to go for the belt. I thought that's what they were setting up
2: for. Mm. But she's just there to go, hello, hello. Sorry, I'm speaking with the exposition team. What's that? 24-7.
1: <laughs> Sorry, you were saying a podcast. I, just, <laughs> I don't know what that is.
2: <laughs>
1: Haven't heard of that before.
2: Yeah. And where are we? I don't know. I've it's main event o'clock, sir. No, it's not. It's the slam of the night. Oh. God, there are a lot of slams of the week and the night tonight. And it's presented by SmackDown again. And guess what? It's friggin' Shane turning on the rock. <laughs> oh, well, that was worth talking about, wasn't it?
1: As if we haven't had that uh, ram down our replaces... throats enough. Let's do it some more. Exactly.
2: And Shane McMahon decides, you know what? There's been enough Shane on SmackDown. And the crowd goes, yeah. So he's replaced himself with Triple H in this tag team match probably so he can cause a DQ again it's just, just a guess and I couldn't be able to recap at this point I think it was running a bit thin so the highlight of this match was Rikishi getting worked over by Big Show and Lord of putting him over by saying wow it's like getting hit by a 20 pound ham
1: <laughs> I I don't know if you've ever God. been hit by a 20 pound ham but apparently it's pretty bad
2: you know I've never been hit by a 20 pound ham but I'm pretty sure it would hurt <laughs> uh, Big Show gets arse faced So he hits Rikishi with a chair on the outside on that still bandaged up ankle and legs. In case you hadn't noticed how badly damaged it was. Um, It's almost like it's had an identity change like the Joker and Batman. Shane tries to distract. Triple H gets a low blow on the rock. Big Show misses a chair shot on the rock and hits Triple H. So rock hits the rock bottom. And with Shane at ringside, goes to the people's elbow like an idiot. Uh, Oh, but he hits it. And then he pins Triple H. Huh. As I said, the Rock's plot armor is the strongest substance known to man. <laughs> Adamantium has nothing on the Rock's plot armor.
1: Not at all, mate. Not at all. I think and that, afterwards, oh, go on. I gone. With everything that the Rock has had been through, like constantly being knocked back by the the evil DX, I think a clean win, a clean as win over the uh, the champ, was something that sets him up nicely for WrestleMania. Mm, I think so. Plus, Shane
2: and Steph argue after the match, causing Triple H and Big Show to nearly brawl. Shane and Stephanie look like Pokemon trainers.
1: <laughs>
2: during the <this> segment.
1: <laughs> Big Show used push. It has zero effects. <laughs> Just recycling an old gag there. Why not, eh? Huh? And that, as they say,
2: is that for another wonderful episode of Smackdown some highs and some lows what were the things not the things one thing that you remembered from this show Tom
1: Uh, I remembered um, what I remember from this show tell you what I remember the birth of the 24-7 championship that was a big moment for wrestling I think that when we look back on this show that's probably one of the the major takeaways is the 24-7 championship 24-7 rules hardcore championship Uh, what about you sir I remember Slaughter.
2: I was Uh a big fan of Slaughter as a kid. So to see him randomly turn up against the new generation's best, Kurt Angle, I still remember that. I've been so happy to see him. Like, yeah, get in, it's Slaughter. I didn't expect him to win. It was just the sight of him still doing his thing. And again, at age 52, to take that bump, the same bump he took at Rumble 92, that Sid Vicious hurt him. I forgot what injury he got, but he absolutely annihilated him with that bump.
1: It was ridiculous.
2: What was something you'd forgotten about this episode?
1: I forgot that APA ran commercials. Like, I always just accepted them oh. as a thing. It was like, oh, you just you buy the Protector of the Acolytes. I forgot there were actually adverts for them. And I loved seeing this again. It looked great. How about you, sir? It's good. Hi. It?
2: Badly written, stupid essay Rios. <laughs> That's what I've written it down as. Uh, yeah, Ese Rios is losing. He's about to lose his light heavyweight title, which he earned with that that war they still talk about against Gilberg and Sunday Night Heat. And then Lita saves him, and then he's unhappy. Okay. Uh sure, why not? I mean, I can't think why he would be forgotten about in a year's time, but hey, there we go. So that was weird because yeah, you're like, well, they've just shown up on SmackDown. They're only a week old and they're already arguing. They're that one couple on the estate that you hear at three in the morning, and you're just <laughs> trying to sleep, and you're like, bloody! And a month later, they're still together. You're like, just leave, just split up,
1: get someone else to buy your fish and chips. <laughs> we'll get used to that for a little while. That's uh, that's gonna be a thing, baby. That's gonna be a that's thing. But right. so is- was the the second thing
2: was gonna be Blackman's date, but I've already forgotten about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And like Steve Blackman on his date, we're about to take a quick sharp exit. Whilst the piano player plays personality. Until next time, he is at Matthew Greg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Black, love you, bye.
2: <laughs> 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 and I'm Gangrel at White Wolf Won't employ me at Twitter.com. <laughs> <laughs>